Good evening and welcome to Friendship. This is your host, James Huey, facilitator of Friendship House here in Galveston, welcoming you to another evening on Friendship, the power for positive living. I'd like to thank all of you for your positive reaction to our previous programs of wellness psychology and encourage each of you to join us here on Thursday evenings at 8 o'clock p.m. here on KGBC. We welcome all of you new members of the KGBC radio community who have decided to join us this evening. I guess the first thing I'd like to do is take a few minutes and review some of the things that we introduced about why this program is on the air. I believe that we're basically here to meet a human felt need. As a psychologist, I run into lots of needs from human beings, and I've spent most of my life working in the area of treatment and repair. People who have incurred lots of pain, lots of hurt, lots of frustration, and they have not developed ways in which to cope with those. It seemed to me as I went along that my efforts could be redirected and focusing on helping people who were well or who were interested in prevention. Even though the field has traditionally focused on the remediation aspect of psychology, it seemed a lot more exciting that we could work on preventing repair work in the first place. This program, Friendship, is dedicated to offering you some techniques, offering you some support in your particular self-development. During this program, we're going to focus on the emotional, social, physical, and spiritual development of you as a human being. You're going to be invited to take what you can use. And I stress the words invited, because to me, personal growth is just that. It's an invitation to grow. It's an invitation to take what you can use. As I've mentioned before, I hope I would never be so presumptuous as to assume that I, one human individual, know what all of you as a collective group, or you as an individual, what you would need for your own personal growth. So over the days and weeks ahead, I hope that this program will be able to provide you with what you can use, something that you can take for your own personal life novel. Also, part of receiving is the ability to give. I'm going to encourage you to give through active interaction and dialogue on this show in the days ahead. We're going to be taping in the initial phases, but eventually we would like to open up the line so that you can participate, so that you and I can have an open, honest, caring dialogue. This program will eventually give you that opportunity and I personally and sincerely hope it will have value for you. I mentioned the word life novel. I personally believe that that is something that each person is their own individual author. For example, I believe that personal growth is just that. It is personal. It is also very individual. It takes many forms. It also takes lots of effort. This is not something one just does on a very lackadaisical or laid-back manner. Personal growth occurs in varying degrees. What may be appropriate for me may not be appropriate for you. So therefore, I invite you to listen and to receive, once again, what you can use in the varying things that we will offer in the days ahead.
I very firmly believe that the life novel that you choose to live is a result of choices that you make. These choices will be the subject of many discussions in the days ahead because so often as I have worked with people in personal retreating, I have found that oftentimes they are living a life based on choices that were made not out of a conscious decision, but were made out of default. They were either imposed by someone or they were decisions not made. And one of the things we'll definitely be pointing out is the fact that decisions not made are still decisions. So we will be talking about life novels in the days ahead. As I mentioned before also, and some people encourage me to clarify this a little bit more this week, attitudes lead to feelings, feelings lead to behaviors. So often in a understanding of trying to learn more about who we are, so often there's the focus of trying to explore and understand what is going on in our behaviors. We're going to be taking a different tact and we're going to be encouraging as you explore your personal growth to focus on your attitudes and these attitudes will then select the feelings that you experience. The feelings that you experience will lead to the behaviors. And at each stage of these are points of choice. You, as a unique and special human being, have the power to choose or not choose what is going to be your life novel. I had a number of individuals also ask me to clarify further the concept of personal retreating at Friendship House. Friendship House is located here in Galveston and is structured entirely toward the whole concept of allowing an individual to check out from their normal, everyday commitments and roles to explore who they are. We offer two focuses. One is listening hospitality. And I know as I talk with most people what a wonderful gift that is to give to them, to be able to really listen to what they have to say, to their values, their beliefs, and their opinions. We invite you to share at Friendship House, and that's what personal retreating is. It's an invitation to share. There is no high-level structure to reach a particular goal. It is not oriented toward problem-solving. It is toward basically exploring you as the unique human being that I believe you are. You are invited to share, but that is what it is. It is an invitation to share. A second characteristic of the Friendship House program, in addition to listening hospitality, is the concept that you as a human being either define yourself or you are allowing yourself to be defined by others. And we probably will spend many, many hours in the weeks ahead clarifying that even further because constantly as you write who you are, what you believe in, you are constantly going through the process of defining yourself or of being defined by others. Those are powerful words, and we will come back to them frequently. But I hope that they will clarify the whole concept of personal retreating to a greater degree, and I appreciate all of you who encouraged me to share that with you. One of the other requests that I had this last week is to repeat what is a friend, because since we're calling this friendship, well, naturally the question comes out, what is a friend? So therefore, I'd like to repeat a piece by C. Raymond Baran. It starts, what is a friend? I will tell you, 
It is a person with whom you dare to be yourself. Your soul can be naked with him. He seems to ask of you to put on nothing, only to be what you are. He does not want you to be better or worse. When you are with him, you feel as a prisoner feels who has been declared innocent. You do not have to be on your guard. You can say what you think as long as it is genuinely you. He understands those contradictions in your nature that leads others to misjudge you. With him, you breathe freely. You can avow your little vanities and envies and hates and vicious sparks, your meannesses and absurdities, and in opening them up to him, they are lost, dissolved on the white oceans of his loyalty. He understands. You do not have to be careful. You can abuse him, neglect him, tolerate him. Best of all, you can keep still with him. It makes no matter. He likes you. He is like fire that purges to the bone. He understands. You can weep with him, sin with him, laugh with him, through it all and underneath. He sees, he knows, and loves you. A friend? What is a friend? Just one, I repeat, with whom you dare to be yourself. And that is a piece by C. Raymond Buran. And that sets the atmosphere for this program and for the listening hospitality that we strive to offer at Friendship House. My guest this evening is Dr. Sarah Ashburn, who is the Assistant Superintendent for Curriculum and Instruction with the Galveston Independent School District. In traditional psychology, we often see what happens when people do not have adequate self-esteem, do not have a positive, healthy image for themselves. It seemed to me like one of the more logical ways to start this program series would be to invite someone who was working in a program that worked with teaching children how to develop positive and healthy ways of self-esteem. It is something that can be taught, and we as adults, I believe, do owe it to the young people. So, Dr. Ashburn, what is the program that you have in the Galveston school system? We faced very much the same dilemma that you speak in seeing our schools, like medicine and psychology and most other helping professions, worrying about a problem after it had developed and thinking of how much more effective we could be in prevention rather than in remediation. We looked at the research that told us that a child sees himself as a success or a failure in school and that notion is almost cast in stone by the time he's in the second grade. So that encouraged us to look at the comprehensive program for all children rather than just children who have exhibited such severe problems that they came to our attention because of their failure. We felt that if the earlier we began to teach self-esteem, the more thoroughly children would understand themselves and have a vision of what they can be, that we would want to begin when they come to school. So we begin in kindergarten. And our children have a self-esteem curriculum called Positive Action. I was encouraged when I heard you speak about positive feelings and attitudes and actions because we see those so intertwined. And we teach positive actions and we talk about feelings. We think that children need to be given vocabulary to express themselves and their feelings. And they must be able to talk about their own attitudes and think of them in order to make any adjustments and in order to help other people help them. Can you find that children 
often that early are able to express how they feel in words that are understandable to us adults? Yes. In fact, we talk about self-esteem with children at those primary grades. And the children say, that's how I see me. And they say, I am a unique person who has worth. And I think that children are much more able to understand that than we perhaps have given them credit for. Boy, it does sound interesting to be able to start that early and have them articulate so clearly, this is how I'm seeing myself. Is listening a part of this dialogue also? Yes, it is. Children talk about positive listening, the courtesy of listening to others and not interrupting, mm-hmm. or not putting down the comment that another person makes, positively complimenting someone, and the letters, I see you, doing something positive. And when children do something that is noteworthy, then everyone in the school is trained to identify that and bring it to the attention of the office so that the principal in a public address announcement or in a monthly pep rally. They have positive action assembly programs that are like pep rallies, and those people are publicly recognized and rewarded for those characteristics that we're trying to imbue in the children. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful way of doing it, trying to catch someone doing something positive. I do, unfortunately, remember a lot of very negative attitudes that I had in my elementary school years, and other people my age who recall that almost all the effort was trying to find out something you had done wrong. I know when I went into teaching, I decided I was going to mark what the student got right. I was determined never to use red ink because I recall getting so crushed and receiving so many negative connotations from being caught at doing something wrong. I sense I had to overcome that as I've become an adult something that I still have to confront. And so I just feel very excited and enthusiastic that the young people today have a chance to learn some positive things. And I sense this can be very helpfully tied in with the concept of discipline, uh, which is not always punishment, but trying to find some constructive guidelines for living life and learning. Oh, that's so true. I think that if children are to learn that they affect their future and their choices, as you mentioned, determine their future, they must have some rewards and know that there are choices that they can make that are good choices and that have reward in it for them. And if they can get started early, this sounds like a wonderful way to do so. I would share with you that I sense this is even growing outside of the school district because I had a fascinating experience over the holidays. My older nephew in Atlanta, Georgia, works for Kroger Supermarkets, and he received a slip of paper from the manager of the store complimenting him on doing something extra above and beyond his requirement as there as a bag boy. And I thought, now that in itself shows that some people, not only in education, but in the business world, are recognizing that most of us as human beings appreciate being complimented. We appreciate being rewarded for those things that we do that are special. Something that is positive and reassuring, and as well as encouraging enthusiasm. So, I just found it interesting that business was actually doing this and saying, that's good news, and I knew about our program, and I was just excited about that kind of branching out from the so-called sheltered world of the school system. As I look at the clock on the wall, it looks like we've come to the end of another friendship program. 
I certainly want to thank my guest, Dr. Sarah Ashburn of the Galveston School District, for being my guest this evening and certainly appreciate her sharing with us in an area that's so crucial, the teaching of positive self-esteem at an early age. Thank you for coming, Dr. Ashburn. I really appreciate it. It has been my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. And we hope that maybe as the uh, weeks go by, that perhaps we could have you back with maybe some more development in the area of self-esteem. This is your host, James Huey, wishing you a very positive week. Bye for now.